Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane with the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast. And today's guest is a 2019 NFL Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. He was a first round pick in the NFL draft, but before he was an NFL star, Cortland Sutton was a breakout two-sport star athlete at Southern Methodist University, SMU in Dallas, where we got connected. And while he was there, he caught more than 30 touchdowns and racked up more than 3,200 receiving yards. He's an electrifying player who led all wide receivers in the NFL and broken tackles after receptions, one of my favorite stats. And as good as he is on the field, he's even better off. Very excited to bring to you Cortland Sutton. Cortland, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me on. I, I wish I would have had, you know, a list of all your accolades and running joints down for everybody, you know. It's, <laughs> that was a good introduction. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, well, I'm excited to have you. Let's kind of get back. To, let's, let's, If we can, let's, for our listeners, go all the way back to the beginning for you. You know, you were a two-sport star, basketball and football at SMU. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to where did your love of football kind of get started for you? Man, you know, honestly, I think my love for the game happened at recess, I think as pure as that is, I think it happened at recess. You know, it, it was one of those things that I could not wait to get outside, to be with my boys, to go out there and, and play because that's I feel like that's where, that's where it's so pure. You know, everybody out there just playing, having fun. You know, you make up the plays on the football, you draw them up in the dirt and everything. You just go out there and you just play. And um, I think that's where my initial love for the game uh, started. It's awesome. And, you know, and since being drafted in the first round by the Denver Broncos in 2018, you know, you, you've developed two? Second. Second round. Second round. Second round, 40th pick. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Every one of those teams made one mistake in the first round by not picking you, and you're going to make them pay. Oh, yeah. Remember, just remember that. Just remember oh, making, yeah. making them pay. Every time you go to the Pro Bowl, every team ought to be looking going, man, we passed on this guy? They didn't do their homework, man. Store that. It's, it's all up here. Yeah, store that in the memory bank. But, you know, <laughs> since, since being drafted in 2018, right, you developed a reputation in the league for being a, an exciting player, a fierce competitor. You know, where did this fierce competitiveness come from from you? Because off, you know, off the field, off the field, you're like the nicest guy, one of the nicest guys you ever meet, man. I mean, you'll do anything for a teammate on the field, competitor, man. Where's that fierce drive come from? You know, um, I've had some. I've had. I've played with a lot of really good players that have shown me um, that that side of of being a, a competitor. And then I've also had some really good coaches. And also, I mean, it, it's it's you know, people would try to say that it's cliche, but you know, listen, like I took every meeting we had, you and I whether it was a team meeting, whether it was a sit-down meeting, and I, you know, incorporated into who I became. So being able to um, have that split, you know, I can be Cortland Sutton, the nice guy, the the guy that will hold the door for you, the guy that will take his shirt off his back and give it to you off the field. But when I step in between those lines, I become Cortland Sutton, the person that's going to try to do everything I possibly can to be great while I'm on that field. No matter what it has, no matter what I have to do, there has to be a switch. Like you would say, there has there has to be some type of switch that you can be this this guy, this this you know this this citizen. Everyone's like that guy is a nice guy, and then on the field you talk to a guy that plays, and he's like that guy is an asshole mm. because that you have to have. I feel like you have to have that switch. If you can't have that switch, you know you there's a uh, an imbalance. You know you either become a too aggressive person off the field, and you can't control that part of your life or you know you can't flip the switch and then you can't go out and have that 
tenacity, that mentality of I'm going to dominate you this whole game. If you don't have that switch, you can't naturally flip, flick that switch in your head when the game starts. But it started, you know, being able to take in the knowledge, the information that people were giving me and applying it to my game because, God, you know, I've been blessed. God, God has blessed me athletically to be able to be who I am. But as you would, as you know, because it's, your, it's what you do and what you have, have um, taught most, so many athletes, you know, the game happens up here before it happens anywhere else. You know, if you can see it before it happens, you know, you're, you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the curve. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, that ability to flip the switch, right? Between what we would call boy scout, nice guy off the mm-hmm. field, bounty hunter, asshole and attacker on the field. It is. And being able to separate right between who you are in what you do because exactly. who you are and what you do are different and you have to identify like what's the mindset what's the attitude what's the mm-hmm. skill what's the aggression level what's the what's the persona that you have to take to who you are to succeed but then also to succeed in what you do and what you do right now is you play football at the highest level in the world and you're succeeding at the highest level in the world as an all pro in the NFL now Cortland I want to talk about a specific stat that I think says a lot about you as a person and a lot about you as a player. Last year, you led all wide receivers, every mm-hmm. wide receiver in the NFL in broken tackles after receptions. It's a stat that not a lot of people look at, but I look at it because I think it talks about drive. I think it talks about toughness. I think it talks about resiliency. Where does mm-hmm. this never give up attitude come from, man, that you're mm-hmm. going to go get more after the catch? Man, honestly, I think for myself, I look at it as – um, one, an opportunity. When the ball comes your way, I look at it as an opportunity. Um, the, the offense coordinator saw it as an opportunity to, to call a play for it to go your way. The quarterback is trusting that you're going to be in the right spot. You're going to – that when the ball leaves their hand, that they trust that you're going to make a play um, for the team. And I think that's the second part, being able to make plays for the team. I look at it as, you know, the ball touches my hands. God, like the team is looking at myself at like go make a play let's go make a play but it's also i think it, it, it embodies you know to the rest of to the rest of the team everyone the, the rest of the receivers the running backs tight ends whoever they see that and they're like all right let me get that one more let me let me try to break that one more tackle because it shows on the film how you know you break a tackle and boom you got 10 extra yards and anybody that plays the game knows how hard it is to get 10 yards i mean you they think it's it seems so simple but if you can catch the ball and get an extra 10, you know, you might put your team in field goal range or, um, you know, that's, that's put your team in the high red. You never know anything can happen or you can break a tackle and next thing you know, you're in the, in the clear and you're running off trying to go score a touchdown. So um, I look at it every time the ball comes on way, every time the ball touches my hand, I have an opportunity to go in and do something with it, go and make a play, go do something that could change the game for everybody, for the whole team, the whole team's looking at, at us to where they, they call us playmakers for a reason. They look at us to go out and make plays. And, um, you know, I, I really do feel like it's an opportunity every time the ball comes my way to be able to go and do something special to ultimately help the team get into a position to succeed ultimately. You know, as a, as a high profile and prolific receiver, obviously, you know, you're, you're a playmaker. I think when we started to work together at SMU, you were also a program changer, you know, and not just from the athletic ability. I mean, that stands alone, but I think from the attitude, from the character, from the work ethic to how much you cared about the guys in the locker room to how you were able to help coach Morris, Chad Morris, when he took over the program. And mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to work with you guys, how you were able to help take his message around culture and around leadership mm-hmm. 
and bring that into the locker room and, and, and inject that into other guys, you know, and right. get them to perform that way. How important is it to you, Cortland, to be a leader in the locker room, whether it was at SMU or even now with Denver? You know, honestly, I, I look at, um, you know, that part of being a, being a leader and I take it beyond it, it beyond just football. I try to incorporate it into just my life in general. And I look at it as, you know, we all have um, a platform. We all have a, a voice. You know, some, some people have, you know, some people use their voice in different ways. And one thing that I had to learn when I was at SMU was I wasn't a, a super like vocal, you know, rah, rah, get on, get on someone in front of everyone type of guy. I would, I had to learn how, how I was going to lead. And I actually, my sophomore, I think my sophomore year, maybe I got approached by our leadership council at SMU and our strength coach. And they asked me if I want to be a part of the leadership council. And I had told them initially, I said, no, you know, I feel like for myself and for the team, I want to learn how to be a better leader so that when I do get into that role, I'm able to be the best leader I can be for the team. And doing that, I was able to sit back and watch, watch guys like um, Matt Davis, Jeremiah Gaines, um, Jackson Mitchell. I got to watch guys, Darian Malines, dudes who were leaders of the team, dudes who guys on the team respected a lot. I was able to watch them and I was able to, you know, figure out, you know, what were, what were their leadership styles? What were the things that they did that, you know, guys respected and guys, you know, uh, kind of gravitated to, you know, what were some things that leadership wise that, that were kind of, they butted heads with guys about, you know, I was able to take all these pros and cons and then incorporate into the type of person I was and to ultimately be- become the, the best leader I could be in that time for the team. And I continue to do that. I continue to um, take advice and and watch guys who are respected in their position of you know of of where they of their platform, how they use how they use their platform, how they speak, how they um, who follows them. You know that's a big thing. You know what type of crowd follows them? Are they are they leading guys that are they leading guys in the way that I want to get guys to, to how I want to lead. Um, all of those things are, are things I still incorporate into my into my everyday, into my personality, into my leadership style, so that I can, like I say, be the best version of myself for guys around me. And I feel like ultimately, when I'm I'm doing that, and I'm able to um, look at the the surroundings, be able to grasp as much knowledge as I possibly can. I'm ultimately bettering my, not only myself but everyone around me because then I'm putting my best foot forward and. I feel like my best when I'm doing when I'm putting my best foot forward. I'm ultimately, um, you know, uplifting everyone around me. You know, Courtney, you've talked a lot about kind of putting your best foot forward and working to really become the best version of yourself. And obviously, right. you know, the physical skill that it takes to play in the NFL and be at that level. Uh, every guy in the NFL physically has has talent and ability. I think one of the things that, mm-hmm. that always stuck out to me about you two when we were working together at SMU was when there was an opportunity to work on mental performance, you were a guy who was in the front row. You were a guy who was wanting individual meetings. You were a guy who was utilizing the resource that Coach Morris had invested in with mental performance. What are some of those mental performance techniques that you've hmm. developed as a player that you feel like have helped you? Man, I have a list. I have a list of things that I still do. It's crazy because I have my ABCs from – it's not focusing, but I have my ABCs from 
spring, fall from fall camp. Um, it goes it goes back. I think this goes all the way back to 2017, 2016, 2017. But um, the ABCs, my one snap clear, putting myself on a routine. Um, everything happening twice. The 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 mental part of every I use that. That's probably one. Of, that's probably one of my number ones. And then the talking to yourself, not listening to yourself. That's something that's heavy that I I, I try to um, incorporate with you know all of anybody that I come across. You know, telling them you know talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. Because you listen to yourself, yourself is going to tell you that you're tired. Yourself is going to tell you that. Oh, it's all right. You don't gotta do that. That last rep. You don't gotta do that last set. You don't have to. You don't have to wake up when your alarm go off. You don't have to. You know, do all of these things. But if you're talking to yourself, you, you know, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go be great today. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go. Um, you know, do this. Read this book, or I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go to this workout, even though I'm tired and I really don't want to. Um, that's something that's huge. And then being present. I write that down. That's that's been my. Thing that I've used, I think I've used be present since college. Be present, be where your feet are. That's mm-hmm. one of my number one things that I still write down to this day. Um, being present, being where my feet are, because there's so much that could, you know, go on in a day, um, especially when the season rolls around. There's so much that goes on during a week, but I have to, I have, I have it on my notes. When as soon as I walk in, I see it. Be present, be where your feet are, so I can be in that meeting. I'm in that meeting. I'm learning ball, no matter what's going on outside of that facility, in that moment, I'm sitting there and I'm going to learn what I need to learn in that meeting. When I go to the team meeting, same thing. When I'm at practice, same thing. But when I leave, then I can worry about what's all going on around the facility. But when I'm in there, I'm where my feet are. I'm being present of mine so that I can know that I'm in, I'm putting myself mentally and physically in the spot that I need to be in so that I can maximize whatever I'm doing in that moment. Um, but those are some of the ones that I use. I mean, the act big, breathe big, commit big, the ABCs. I mean, that's something that like I tell, you know, some guys when I'm when we run in doing conditioning, you know, tired, breathe big, you know, act big. Even when you're not, even when you don't feel it and you act big, you line up when I'm in, you know, it's third, fourth quarter and I have to, you know, I'm tired. It's two minute drive. You know, I'm telling myself, even if, without even having to think about it, I'm telling myself, act big, act big, act big, because this DB tired, you know, the altitude is kicking his butt. He didn't already told me altitude kicking his butt. So I'm going to let him think that, you know, dang, how's it not affecting him? How is he not tired? But deep down, I can be really, I can be tired, but you wouldn't know that. I can't show you that. I won't show you that because now when I line up, you tired, you didn't already show me you fatigued, but I'm I, like, you don't know what I'm, what's going on in my mental. I'm about to give you my, you about to get worked because I know that you're tired. You're not acting big. I can. I can, I got you already. You didn't already lost that, that battle right there. Um, the everything happening twice, the mental, the, the seeing everything twice. I use that in so many different, even when I'm training, when I'm running, when I'm working on releases, I imagine a DB in front of me. Okay. He's playing cover two. Okay. He's playing off man. How would I run this route? How would I do this? During the, during the week, I'm able to break down, you know, guys' film because the, you know, guys' technique, speak for themselves what they put on film is who they are they, it's for them for the most part unless they try they might try one or two different things but for the most part what they put on film is who they are so i watch the film i know exactly what they're gonna do i know when they're gonna put their hand out i know what step they're gonna back up with i know at what yards at what yard is they gonna try to put their hands on me all of these things so that when i get in the game it's easy i'd already i've already seen it i put myself there when i watch the film i put myself in a position of this guy they're going against. Okay, I have this route. Boom. Okay, I have this route. This guy has this route. 
this is how he played the technique for this person. So when I get in the game, he does the exact same technique. I already know this. Boom. I'm about to win because I know exactly what you're going to do because i already seen it here. It's, it's easy. But, yeah, that's just a little list. That's a, a small little, you know, a small little list of things it's that small, I use. Small list called, a, called a, a master's degree in sports psychology, man. That's <laughs> Let's go back. Let's go back to the ABCs, right? Mm-hmm. And wh- how do you use ABCs and, and how is it beneficial? So the the act big the acting big is you know like I said it can be fourth quarter and you know playing in Denver the altitude it gets you know it gets every team that comes up there I don't care what they say they're tired you know and they show it you know they 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 show that they're fatigued you know they're on their knees they don't they they line up late they you know they have all of these different signs that show that they're tired um, but when I line up when I'm I'm in the huddle. I'm sitting there telling myself, you know, even though we're fatigued, it could be two minute, it could be the two minute draw, it could be the 16th play of the, of the drive. I'm telling myself, hey, I have to act and show body language that I'm not tired because this is it mentally, it's hurting this DB. Every time I jog out, boom, I jog out the huddle, I get get to my spot, I line up, and I'm ready to go. He's like, dang, I got to deal with this guy again. And I want them to think about that. I want them to like every every play think about it, like, dang, but he keep jogging out the huddle, he keep lining up. He keep whooping my butt run play. Oh, he's still blocking me, and I'm all the way on the backside. It's a it's a pass play. When I'm getting the ball, you get in my full route. You know, you're gonna you're gonna get work so that it when the fourth quarter does roll around, if I need to make a big play, this person's already tired because they're acting tired. They're showing me that they're tired. I'm gonna go and make a play for the team. Breathing big. Um, you know, you know, just being able to sit back and take a break. I mean, take a breath. You, you know, like, a, like the one snap and clear, like you something happened. Boom. All right. Yeah, talk all right, about the good. one snap and clear. Talk about that. Yeah. That, so like, so you know, being able to one thing, you know, you and I talked about having something, everyone has something that, you know, that they use as a one snap and clear. My one snap and clear is I feel like I don't run a route like the way I wanted to, or I don't catch a pass or something doesn't go the way I really wanted to go. Um, I had to come up with something to, you know, a release. You know, so being able to, for my my release is, I, boom, dang, all right, bet, all right, this is what I did wrong, cool, keep it moving, go to the next play, because if I sit back and I dwell on that play that I messed up on in the first, second, third, fourth, whatever quarter it could be, then that play is going to keep beating me until I release it. So if something happens in the first quarter, second quarter, myself being able to go, all right, I got this. We're good. Keep it moving. Go to the next play so that I know that whenever they call whatever play the next time for me to get the ball, I'm not worried about that play. It already happened. I cannot change that. That's past. It's it's beyond it's beyond me at that point. Only thing I can do is go back to the film the next day and correct it off of that. But if I sit here and dwell on this, it's gonna hurt me. And I and I, I try to I pass I try to pass that on to my boys on the sideline. When, if you know if something happens with one of my one of my receivers, I'd be like, hey, snap and clear that. You good. Snap and clear. We good. Let's go to the next play. Keep it moving. Let's go to the next play. Because you know that if if they dwell on it, I dwell on it. If any of us dwell on it, it's all it's ultimately gonna hurt us as a team because they're thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Next thing you know, they got another play that comes to them. And because they've been thinking about it this whole time, they mess up on that one. And then they're sitting there thinking, and then you think about it, you're sitting there, it's, you're losing that psychological battle. You're losing that mind, that, that, that battle between yourself because you're not talking to yourself, you're listening to yourself. Yourself is sitting there telling you, you know, oh, you know, you dropped that. Oh, all these thoughts start running through your mind. Are they going to take me out? Are they not going to throw the ball to me again? All of these things. 
And then next thing you know, little do you know, another ball comes your way and you didn't already missed it because you thinking about in the past. So yeah. myself, I'm really like, I, I practice it even in practice, you know, if a route doesn't go the way I want it to, if I don't catch a ball or um, I don't win how I want to win, you know, I have, I snap and clear, keep it moving, go to the next play and keep moving because I know that I can't change that. I think that's the biggest part is understanding that it's past. That's past. I can't go back and change that. No matter how bad I want to, can't go back and change it. What I can control is what's happening next. That next 20 feet, like you would say, what I can control is what's what's happening next. That next step is what I can control. So that's a, the that's one, the big part that wants that clear. It's the one play at a time mentality, right? We talked about exactly. kind of being that one play warrior that whether it goes really good or it's not going good, it's all about the next play. And it sounds, Cortland, like you have something very clear that you go to, the snap, the clap, and the clear where you're able to then talk to yourself and get to that next play. Do you see mm -hmm. at your level in the NFL that there are some players that maybe haven't had this training, haven't had, don't have the understanding of one play at a time and how to get back to the next play like you do, where you see them kind of get stuck on when bad things happen, they kind of can't get over it and get to the next play. Do you still see that with your teammates? Oh, for sure. For sure. There, there's, I, I mean, I'm grateful that uh, Coach Morris saw this as something that we needed because it, like there are things that I don't purposely think about that automatically happen to me because I we had the training, we had the guidance to 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 use it. You know, now if you know if guys used it or if they took took advantage of that, then that's upon them. Myself, I was going to take advantage of it. I saw how it worked. I saw these things making my mental game go to a different level. Things that I like. Couldn't like I said, I, I don't purposely think about some of these things. It just boom, it'll come to my head because I've it's been ingrained in me. It's been something that I've purposely have tried to think about so that subconsciously it happens now. Mm. And you've been you've been doing it now since what 2016 or so, right? It's been about four or right. five years probably since you've been into it. So it's it's something that I think as you as you continue to grow and you continue to use these skills, I think you'll find out that you know it it really makes a difference in one play and how you mm -hmm. get back to the next play. And at your level in the NFL, one play can be the entire difference in a game, and that game could be the difference in hosting or not hosting in the playoffs or making or not making the playoffs. And then when you get there, anything can happen. So literally right. one play can change an entire season, you know? And that type of elite concentration, elite focus, when you're a wide receiver and there's millions of people that are watching, the ball's in the air, there's a lot of pressure to make a play, how do you stay present in that moment? Is there something that you do like a breath as part of your pre-snap routine when you're getting in your stance or anything that you do when the ball's in the air to help you stay locked in for that one play? So I, it's, it's, it's like you said, the one play, the one play warrior that I like, there are, there are times where I'll watch the film and I'm like, dang, I forgot about that play because in the moment we'll run a play, boom, I'm automatically like, all right, we're on to the next one. What's the next play? So I can know my assignment alignment technique I can already start processing what's going to happen on this next play. So, boom, I get in the huddle, hit the play, boom, run out, get in my spot. Before I get into a spot, I'm, boom, I'm ready to go. That's my snap. I'm, I'm good. I took, my, I took my deep breath. I, I know where I'm. I know my assignment. I'm in my alignment. And I, but off of his technique, I know my technique already of what I'm about to do. And so I, take, I get my breath, and then I line up, and I run, in, I run the play. Once that play is over, boom. We're back to the huddle and we're doing it all over again because it's like it's that one play and stacking those plays up on top of each other 
And the next, you know, at the end of the game, you'll get to the you'll get to the spot that you want to get to because you have just been stacking them up. But like like we were just talking, about, you can't those plays that happen. You can't do anything about them. All you have to do is worry about that next play. What's the next play? Boom, keep it moving. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Keep going. How's that breath help you in the pre-snap routine where you're kind of standing up? And if people have ever seen seen a sprinter, like if you watch a sprinter like mm -hmm. Usain Bolt, he will take a big breath, get in the blocks, poof, when he goes, right? And as a mm -hmm. receiver, the camera is never really on you during a game as a receiver at this time when you're getting in your stance. It's usually following the ball or looking at a quarterback mm -hmm. or a coach or something like that. But if you're a, a football coach or you're a player or you go to a game and you get to watch Cortland, and you get to see, you, you'll see literally big breath, shoulders come up, shoulders go down, and he like sinks into his stance just like you would see a sprinter do. What does that breath do for you, Cortland? Does it help you to relax and kind of turn off the thinking and just allow you to trust and go do what you're doing? How would you explain that breath and what it does for you? I think you said it perfectly. It, it, it's like a, a focus. It's a realignment for that one specific play. That six seconds, eight seconds, 10 seconds, however long that play lasts, it's a it's a refocus for that one specific play. Um, it allows it allows, like you said, there's a lot going on. You know, whenever a play comes in, you know, you're sitting there thinking, all right, what what do I have? What's what's the down and distance? What's the situation in the game? Where are the sticks? How what's the coverage the defense is going to line up in? What's my alignment? What's my assignment? What's my technique? Oh, we've checked the play. All right, what is my alignment assignment technique now for this new play? Um, how does the defense plan this? Who do I need to block? Who do I need to run this route off of? All of these things are going on in your head. And if you sit there and try to focus on one, all right, I got to make sure I, you know, block the safety, this and this and that, you might miss the check or you might block the wrong person or, you know, it could be anything that can go on. But when you get out there and you give yourself a breath and you just, you see everything and it's like a calm, like you don't hear anybody. You don't see like you don't see anything, but you, the DB in front of you and your job, what you have to do, you know where you need to get to all of these things. But you're able to lock into a focus of that specific play, that specific job description that you have to do on that one play. You're able to really lock in and put all your focus and mental into that one play. And I feel like when, when you're able to do that, like I said, there are times where I'll go back and watch the film I'm like, dang, I forgot we ran that play. Because I'm on to the next play, I'll literally shut off that that play in my mind and shut off. I'm on to the next one. All right, what's the next play? What do I need to do on this next play so that I can make sure that I do my job full speed to the best of my ability? And that breath allows me to get that focus because there, it can be third and 10. Fans are screaming. Everybody's going crazy. You know, you're, you're sitting there thinking, all right, I got to make sure. Where are the sticks? Where are the sticks? What's the down and distance? You know, how deep is my route in this play? I need to make sure I get this deep. I need to make sure that, you know, if this guy gets here, this and this and that, you're sitting there thinking about all of these things. And if you try to focus on one, you're like, you'll psych yourself out because there's so much going on. Were you able to get there, get to your spot? <sighs> Boom. And it's just a calm. Like, even then, just then, like. You let that you let that breath down. This is this is like a calm that just comes over you. Like all right, boom! Like your mind's able to focus on what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that's so good for all the athletes and coaches listening to this. Of whether you're in football or not, and some of the listeners to this will obviously be football coaches and players. But a lot of people listening to this will just be into mental performance mm. and the importance of the deep breath. Whether it's Cortland lining up as a receiver, 
whether it's him at the free throw line as a basketball player when he was playing at SMU, whether it's a baseball pitcher or softball hitter getting into the batter's box, that deep breath is the how. And on this podcast, we like to talk about the how. The deep breath is how Cortland gets present. The clap and clear, the release that he does is how he moves on from yellow light or red light back to a green and gets, mm-hmm. to, the, gets to the next play. And it sounds like, Cortland, for you now, getting to the next play is almost automatic and happens really fast. When you first started working with the clap and the clear and the release and recognizing signal lights when you were at SMU, did it come to you that fast? Or do you feel like this is something that's like a skill that you've developed over the course of the years of you doing this work? It's definitely a, it's definitely something that took time. I, I will not lie. It definitely took time. There were there were times where something might not have went my way at SMU and I will come to the sideline. I will be heated, be heated. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you and I have come across each other at times where something happened and you'd be like, don't forget, you know, snap and clear. Coach Step was a really good guy for me also on the sideline who will remind me, Court, you're good. Take take a breath. Take a breath. And I, I, I'll have to re-center and rethink, all right, cool, I can't do anything about that play. I can't. Like, as bad as I want to go back and make it, I can't. I will have to refocus myself. So I've had good people on along the side to uh, allow and help me get to that center, help me get to that spot where I can focus. At, at SMU, I had, you know, Shelby Walker was a good guy for me on the sideline that also helped me. Trey Quinn was a guy who helped me a lot. Um, in Denver, I have a guy um, because I help him. We help each other a lot. His name is Deshaun Hamilton um, from Penn State. He, I, I like try to, you know, Without sitting sitting him down and running him through like a class of you know the mental conditioning, I try to you know incorporate little things in practice into the game you know to help him and and me doing that he reminds me I'll something happened and I'll come to sign like hey snap a clear you good and then just a focus I'll be all right you're right you're right we on to the next we on to the next series that series dead we can't do nothing about that we on to the next series let's keep it moving because if we keep that that negative energy that that just frustration of something not going your way you keep that and it just it haunts you like it just it will sit on your back and the next thing you know it's not only on yourself but the rest of the dudes start feeling it dudes on on in the receiver on the receiver bench they start feeling it like man like he will not let that go it's yeah. very contagious like yeah. he will not let that go it's bothering him you can see it is bothering him mm. and whenever you do whenever you are able to let it go guys see them like all right he's not letting it bother him let's keep moving forward we we have a chance to keep going. Like I like that's one of my biggest things on the sideline is having positive that positive reinforcement of, hey, it's okay. We we have to put that behind us. That series is dead. Whether whether you know an office lineman feels bad because they gave up a sack or a quarterback threw an interception, they they're not happy. I go down there, let them boys know. Hey, we we good. We we go, we gonna keep moving forward. Ace. Let that clear that joint. It's gone. You can't do nothing about it. But what you can do something about is this next series. When we get back out there, we're going to maximize it. Let's keep going. And I just, I just try to pass that message yeah. from the O-line, tight ends, quarterbacks, running backs, all the way down the list. Even the defense. When defense is ready to go out there, hey, y'all boys, go do y'all thing. Snap and clear. Whatever happens. They score. It's whatever. Go out there. Do y'all thing so that this next series isn't affected like last time was. 
it's 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 e plus r equals o right it's event plus there response. it is it's event plus response it's outcome. outcome man and it, it's know. all about <laughs> it's all about what's the response and mm-hmm. i think we're in a unique time right and that this pandemic the covid covid19 has had a pretty dramatic effect on everyone's day-to-day life but as a football player who relies on working out with other players or mm-hmm. someone who relies on getting a football thrown to them right on someone mm-hmm. to have to make a move around well, how have you been able to adapt to kind of your training and what's life been like as a football player in COVID-19 from like a training standpoint? It's been interesting. It has been, it has been different. Um, so in the beginning, when it, when things first happened, I was like, I, said, I was in Florida, I was in Florida training with um, Tony Bellani at XBE. And that's where I go in the off season. I've been going there since I left college. I trust him a lot. You know, he was one of the guys. Um, and then COVID hit and, Myself and my and my girlfriend did not feel comfortable with everything that was going on. Um, so we up and left, came up here, and I she did not feel comfortable with me going to any gym, no matter if it was a private, a, a one-on-one with a a, um, a workout person or whatever. She didn't feel comfortable, so I had to adjust. I had to find another avenue of how I can work out and. Um, her dad had a few, you know, equipment items at his house, at the house. And I was able to come up with different exercises, workouts to, um, maximize what I can do with what I had. But then also I was able to get a lot of film in, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, film on myself watching and critiquing my, my, my own craft. And then also getting film on. DBs that I'm going to go against this upcoming season, getting a head start on them boys, because like I said, what you, the technique you put on film, no matter how, like you can incorporate a couple of new things, this, this, and that, but your base of who you are is going to show up in that film. I'm going to find little things, boom, here and there that they might not even notice. And if they do notice, it doesn't matter. I just found it. I found that one thing here or there that I'm able to add into my game. And, um, you you would know better than anyone that the game, like we said, the game is it goes far beyond the physical. We we all have have the physical attributes to be able to be elite at what we do because we're playing the NFL. I mean, we wouldn't be here if we didn't. But being able to um, add to that mental part of the game, um, being able to that film study. That's all I've been telling young guys. Hey, what you know? What's what's the biggest difference that you've noticed from college to NFL? I'm like, hey. Watch as much film as you can. And I was like, it's, it doesn't have to be something where you sit down and you, you're able to tell everybody, oh, I, wa- I watched film for three hours, you know, five hours, whatever. It's like, it doesn't have to be that. It's finding how you best watch film and then doing that. And, you know, everyone does it differently, like I said, but, you know, film, that eye in the sky does not lie. And if you're able to get these head starts on guys before you get out to the field, it's, it's almost like having... A, a cheat key to a test before the b- before shoots before the, the teacher even give out the cheat key you know it's right there it's just all about how you choose to use it if you just sit there and watch film just so you can say you watch film but you don't really grasp any knowledge from it you know any anything then you're just wasting your time but if you are able to say all right i'm gonna sit down i'm going to watch this db specifically and i'm gonna watch how he plays his press technique Cool. You have a you have a mental arsenal of how this guy plays press technique. You want to sit there and say, "All right, I want to watch and see how he plays." For myself, I watch. I, I like to watch guys who 
I like watch corners when they go against guys similar body type of myself. So I'll watch guys when they go against Mike Evans, Julio Jones, um, Chris Godwin. Um, I, shoot, who else do I have on there? Uh, Devontae Adams. Watch guy, I watch and I see how DBs play against those guys. Because those are the guys that people are, that people list as these are the top guys in my position for what we do. Why wouldn't I watch them? Why wouldn't I go in and try to incorporate things that they do and they have success with, incorporate that into my game? How did they beat this this corner that that everyone says is a top five corner in the in the in the league? How what do they do differently that I can incorporate into my game so that whenever I get the chance to go against this person? I don't have any regrets. I'm putting my best foot forward because I have not only what I have and what I'm bringing to the table, but I'm taking this extra knowledge that has worked and has shown and proven results and also adding it to my game. You know, in Cortland, you've talked a lot about kind of the difference with college into the NFL and the amount of film that goes into it and, and the preparation that goes into it. And obviously, as you climb the ladder from Texas high school to SMU mm-hmm. to the NFL, the talent gap gets closer and closer because everyone has mm-hmm. it. So, you know, everyone has the talent. Now it becomes about preparation, execution, the mindset. You've had an opportunity to play with some great veteran receivers, including guys mm-hmm. like Emmanuel Sanders, who I think was also an SMU grad, wasn't he? Yes, he yeah. was. And, then, and, Demar- and Demarius Thomas and some other great receivers and even being in the Pro Bowl around some of those guys. What have you learned from playing with, with these great guys and other guys at that level? What have you learned from some of those veterans? Um, shoots, I've learned a lot. Um, Demarius became almost like a big brother to me. Um, Emmanuel also became like a big brother to me as well. Someone who both of those guys took myself and, and the rest of the guys that came in with me and they took us under their wings and they taught us in their own style. Demarius had his own different way of coaching, leading and mentoring. And Emmanuel had his own way of coaching, mentoring, uh, leading us. And I think some of, some of the different things that I've learned is just the fact that every you have to find what works best for yourself um, and physically and, and mentally. Um, Demarius is someone who he does any and everything to make sure that his body is tip top, will do the acupuncture, will do the massages, will do the stretches, will do like does not like he was one of the people who was like, don't shortcut yourself when it comes to taking care of your body, because you only get one. When that joint starts running out and and it don't move like you want it to move no more, you're going to be in trouble. You have to take care of that. And he was one of the guys who was like, don't shortcut that in any aspect. Get the massages, get the, the stretches, get in the cold tub, hot tub, do all of these things so that your body can last as long as you possibly can. Um, and then Emmanuel was one of those guys who he taught us to go go to work every single day Every single day with your lunch bell, practice, game, lifting, whatever it was, he was going to go out there and work his butt off. And I, I had to learn. I had to learn the hard way. When I got to Denver, I thought I knew how to practice. I thought I did. I really did. I thought I knew how to practice. I was like, I feel like, so I feel like I'm going hard. I feel like I'm doing these things. And Emmanuel was one was one of those guys who sat me down, like not even sat me down, like let it be known. It's like, Hey, go harder. Like you, there's more, there's more there because we, I remember it was like a, a play where I had to run. I had an MOR, I had to run my guy off. And then there was, um, 
a low cross pretty much coming across and he was running it and one time i jogged it and he caught it and he turned and he saw that my dude was right there so we get to the film and he was like yo look dude in the game you jogged that route that corner come off he hit me and hurts me i can't feed my family i cannot play the game no more because you were being lazy on your route like that's a that's a problem he was like that is a problem he was like we will have there there will be some there will be a problem between us if that happened so run your run your route run your route like you're supposed to and i had to learn that i i had to i had to learn that the hard way i didn't i didn't like in the moment i didn't like where um i didn't like where he like tried to come come across but the message stuck to me because then I got to practice every day after that and I give 1000% when I'm out there you're going to get every route as hard as I possibly can because I had to learn that you only get you might only see that play once before it get ran in the game you might see that play on Tuesday and you won't see it again until you get to the game and so if you don't give a good look on that play then you're ultimately not going to give the quarterback a good look. You're you're hurting the quarterback, you're hurting the O-line, you're hurting the running backs, you're hurting the other receivers because you're not giving a good look. You're being lazy and not giving a good look. And I had to learn that, you know, uh, um, a hard lesson. But those dudes, you know, both of those dudes had many lessons that they were willing to share. And I was grateful for because, I mean, they could have been vets that were like, you know, y'all come, y'all coming in, you know, it's only a certain amount of spots for us you know, in a room, I don't have to share any knowledge with y'all. We don't have to, we don't have to tell y'all anything, you know, it's not our job or obligation to teach y'all, you know, anything about this, about how to, to be in the league, how to be a receiver in the league, how to take care of your bodies, anything. They didn't have to tell us anything, but they were willing to teach us. And that was one of those things that when I saw that, I was like, bet, okay, you don't have to be, um, you know, a person that's giving it, like giving everybody a crowd because you're a vet, you can be a vet that teaches and guides and mentors, you know, the young guys, because ultimately you're helping the whole team be successful. Yeah. You know, Cortland, I think it's awesome, man. And, and some of the things that, you know, I think also make you, make you the, the great person you are and make you such an awesome role model for people to look up to. And, you know, is that constant humility and growth in that constant pursuit of wanting to get better, even at the level that you're at as an all pro in the NFL in your second season, still trying to continue to grow and get better. And I know you're also a very spiritual person. And mm-hmm. you've talked a l- about reading Tony Dungy's Uncommon Life, that devotional every day. And you also have worn a really interesting Bible verse on your wrist. And it's, it's not mm-hmm. one that maybe our listeners hear every day, but it says that by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them. Yet not I, by the grace of God, that was with me. And I think it's 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians 15, 10. First, first, 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. Yeah, there it is. You got the tattoo on the shoulder. Love it, man. What is it so special about that scripture that kind of jumped out to you? Um, I think that the, not think, the thing for myself with that verse, with it being so um, important to me and my life and, and moving forward was understanding that no matter how successful I get in life, it's never myself that's doing this. Everything that happens to me in life is God's grace working through me for a bigger picture, a bigger cause than I will ever understand. And I feel it is my duty to lift up 
God's name in everything that I do because it's not me. It's only through his grace. No matter, like I said, no matter how successful, no matter how, what, what level I get to in life, it's never anything that I've personally done. When you take a step back and you look at everything that happens in a day, like you said, you know the specifics. I wish I remembered the numbers. You know the specifics of the seconds and the minutes and of how uh, what we get in a day. But when you look at everything that happens in a day, from you know the moment you wake up to you get in your car, you drive to wherever to the work, to store, to anywhere, wherever you're gonna go, just getting in the car, driving from one spot to the next spot is a blessing. There are some people who don't make it from point A to point B. That's one thing in life right there is huge. Some people do not wake up in the morning, you know? The only thing that like that will that keeps us moving is God's grace allowing us to be able to do what we do at the best of our abilities. And I I feel like I will be shortcutting God if I didn't go out and give my best in whatever I'm doing. If I didn't give him the glory for everything that happens in my life because I know that you know, anything could have went uh, you know, a, a situation could have went left when I, you know, when I was blessed enough for it to go right. Or, you know, I, I could have, you know, left 10, 15 minutes earlier and got into something could have happened to me on my journey or anything like that. You know, small stuff like there's just so much that happens um, to us through a day to day and throughout our lives. Um, you know, for myself, I look at it as you know, it is God's grace that allows us to be able to to go out and be who we are. And I will forever and every day always, um, you know, give him the glory and, and tell him thank you every day, just because without his grace, I would not be who I am to this day. I would not have met Brian Kane. I would not have met Coach Stubb. I would not have, you know, anything. Like when people ask me, how'd you end up at SMU out of Texas? You know, all of those schools that are around Texas, how'd you end up at SMU? I was like, you know, it's, God's grace, God's grace allowed me to be able to, like I said, meet Coach Stubb and then be able to be a part of his family, to meet Brian Kane and to be able to turn and turn myself into, to help get myself to the best version of myself. If I don't meet Brian Kane, Cortland Sutton does not know these things. Cortland Sutton does not grow mentally in his, in, in what I do. You know, there's so many different things that if you really just take a step back and look and say, okay, these people have been brought into my life for a reason. Every single person, every single thing that's happened to me happened for a reason. Me being, me not, uh, Colorado taking, you know, my scholarship, my senior year was a blessing in disguise because I thought I was going to be a Buffalo. I thought I was going to go to Colorado, but that wasn't in my, that wasn't in my picture of life of what God, what God wanted for me. You know, who knows? I wouldn't, I could have went to Buffalo and then became like just fizzled. Who knows? Anything could have happened. Everything lined up the way it was supposed to for a reason. And I never questioned it. I know that it's his grace that's guiding my life in the direction that I wanted to go. Well, not where I wanted to go, in the direction that he wants it to go. Maybe it just wasn't time for you to go to Colorado yet because you ended up there. Right. Right. <laughs> you ended up there, not a Buffalo, but as a Bronco. And, you know, Cortland, one of the things you've talked a lot about is kind of as an athlete, using your platform for good, using your platform to have a positive impact on other people. And, you know, I wanted to ask you about something that you're really passionate about. And, and if anyone has followed you on Twitter, you know, in social media, they, they know that you're using your platform to, to fight for racial justice mm -hmm. and to address everything that's happening around the country. 
Why do you think it's so important for athletes to use their influence to inspire social change? Mm, That's heavy. So I I personally believe that the platform that we've given goes along with with that verse. This is not our platform. This is a platform that we're supposed to use in order to spread good news, good whatever whatever someone may believe in. I would never tell someone what to believe in, but in order to tell, in order for us to maximize our platform, I feel like it's there are things that we that come with that obligation. Um, and that's one of, one of those things is being able to speak on things that that we our voice will be heard our voice will get heard a little just a little bit louder just a little bit because of this because of the spot that we've been given. So um, for myself, I feel like it's it's it, it comes along with a duty of being able to be in the position that we're in because then our whatever that message is, we're able to hear. A, a message or a voice that someone that might not be able to get it or echo it how, how loud they wanted to, but I'm able to use my voice because then I'm, who knows, someone who may have a larger following than myself see, can see that and then boom, they take that message on and, and continue to pass that message on and 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 who knows who could hear it then. Um, one of the things that we were uh, able to um, do at with, with the Broncos was um, there was a bill that we pressed hard um, and used our voices and our platforms to um, try to, you know, we didn't we didn't know if our voices were going to get heard. We didn't know if if, you know, us emailing Governor Polis, if us um, tweeting at him, if, if all of these things, we didn't know if any of those things were going to come into fruition. But they did. They we were able to use our voice to get a bill passed in Colorado. And we, we weren't the only ones, but we were able to use our voices because we did have followings. There are there, there are so many people. And I think Coach Coach Step was the first one to really sit down and bring this to my attention about how there are so many people that follow us, whether we know or don't know. There are so many people, young, young, old, our age, whatever, and our platforms can be used, our platforms can be viewed as very um persuasive um to uh, our audience. And if we use our platform for good, if we are vouching for justice, if we are saying that something, this is wrong, this racism is wrong. If we are standing up and saying that the same way, um, you know, a, a, a top athlete can go and wear, you know, a type of cleat, all the every all the young dudes want to wear that cleat. All the young dudes like, man, such and such wear these cleats. I'm gonna wear these cleats. I'm trying to be just like him. You go and use your voice and you say, This is wrong. What's going on in the world is wrong. This is why it's wrong. And you use that platform to say to speak on the issues. Then that younger generation sees these things. And they say, This guy is someone who I follow, I I admire. This is what he's speaking on and saying that this is wrong. What's going on in the world is wrong. Okay, I believe in what he what and what if you know if he wears a certain type of cleats or a certain type of shoe, and I believe in that, then you know they might see what we're speaking on as okay. Like if that's how they if that's what the message is, I believe in that message because I believe in what this person and what how this person carries themselves and what they believe in. I'm going to carry myself in that same type of way, and I'm going to it's 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 passing it on to the next generation to the next group so that they can see 
okay, it's okay to speak on something that's that's a problem. If something's wrong, it's wrong. I'm going to speak on it no matter how anyone feels about it. If something is wrong, I'm going to speak on it. And if you have that confidence to stand firm on something that you believe in, other people will, will see that and say, all right, I, I will also stand firm in this because I believe in it. No matter how anyone else feels about it, I'm going to stand firm on it because it's it's wrong and it's what I believe is it's, it's wrong and it's what I believe in. And if you believe in something, like people say, if you don't believe in nothing, you'll fall for anything. Something you believe in, heavy, you know that it's wrong because it, it is, then you ultimately give that, um, almost like you give a, a passage, a way for other people to say, all right, I will use my voice and my platform to also speak on this as a problem. And Cortland, you're using your platform brilliantly, man. I'm proud of you for what you're doing, you know, and, and, and the stance that you're taking and the education that you're bringing to the world through your platform, man. It's been, it's been fun to watch and, and your career and your development, not only as a player, as a person and how you're, what you're doing. So I'm, I'm very proud to say that you're a friend and a guy that I know. And, you know, for the people that are listening to this, for the young athletes, high school, college, if, there were, if you could remove the skull cap and you could plant one seed in their head to say this is going to germinate and help them get closer to the best version of themselves, what would that one seed be that you would offer up? I think I would say love yourself and never, ever give up on yourself because you can, you can take care of you better than anyone else. If you believe in something heavy on off the field, your mind, if you make your mind up on something, you you can't achieve it. There were people who told me I would never be a wide receiver. I was too slow. I could not, I couldn't run routes, all of these things. There were so many people who, who said these different things, but I didn't care because to myself, I knew what I was working on. I knew what was going on behind the scenes, away from the camera. I knew the things that I was doing mentally, physically to make myself, to get myself to a position where I'm constantly working to be the best version of myself on and off the field, the best receiver, the best, the best son, the best brother, the best boyfriend, the best person in general. Like I know that I'm doing that. And if you have that, that drive and that mentality to want to do something and have, and have it made up up here, no one will stop you. Nobody will stop you. That your mind is a powerful thing. You make your mind up that you will will be successful in something that you will get something done. You will see, see results in that. Awesome. Corlin Sutton, thank you for taking time, man, out of your busy training schedule and, and taking time to sit down and join us on the Mental Performance Mastery Podcast for our listeners. Make sure that you engage and follow Cortland and his career on Instagram. It's at court with a period. That's at C-O-U-R-T period. Don't spell out period. Just put the period like the end. <laughs> That's at court. Cortland, can't thank you enough, man, for coming on and taking the time. Really, really good to reconnect with you. And anything I can do, man, please never hesitate to reach out. Man, BC, I do appreciate you having me on. It's amazing. Um, this is These are all things that I still use and will continue to use and continue to pass on to everyone. I appreciate you. And um, I will reach out to you. At some, we will link in Denver at some point. We will be able to make it happen. Once yes. again, we will make it happen. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. And again, thanks for taking the time, man. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Mental Performance Podcast on the Ironclad Content Network. If you liked the show, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. I'll see you next time.